Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. Uh, and today, another new guest. I'm excited. Uh, a guy I met through Twitter, as seems to be happened with a lot of people who come on the show, actually, and uh, we were just talking and thought it might be a really great idea to have him on. So welcome to the show, John Howie, also known as Bridge Live What. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm confusing to some people, but yes, Bridge or John is fine. <laughs> well, we'll probably use both interchange interchangeably. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and we'll end the, we'll kind of get into why you use that why you use mm-hmm. those two names later on. But um, yeah, we're going to talk about living uncaged today, and we're going to hear mm-hmm. a bit of your story. So um, it's going to be good. Um, so yeah, tell us a bit of your story. Well, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, at the age of five, I gave my life to Jesus because I was scared of hell. Um, and, I, you know, it's weird because I, I remember going to elementary school and feeling like I had to try to convert the people around me. Um, and I immense amount of guilt. You know, I, I guess kind of your typical conservative Christian upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. Um. As I got older, you know, as a teenager, there was, you know, people that would look at me and say, like, like, I went to a Christian school and then I came to a public school, which was kind of an interesting or an important part of my journey. Because, like, the Christian school kind of told us, you know, like, what movies you can watch, what music you can listen to and all this stuff. And then getting into public school was very different. And there were a lot of, you know, kids that would come up to me and say you don't really believe this stuff, do you? Right. And, uh, and so I, I was thinking about it and it it took me a while to realize that like doubt is okay. Um, you know, as a teenager, I was actually like, do I really believe this? And, um, I had to really just look back on my life. And at that time, I could sense, you know, I could see this invisible hand in my life, you know, like where, you know, when I became complacent, something bad would happen. And then, you know, and that was kind of how I understood my faith at that time and point. Hmm. Um, And then um, I guess my 20s, I started to understand, um, I I, I think, kind of dipped into charismania, charismania. Um, and, you know, I was dating a girl at the time who was charismatic, Pentecostal. And it kind of got to a point with me where I was like, either my upbringing, which was very conservative, very, um, I guess, fundamentalist. Um, it was like, well, what about this weird stuff? What about this, the prophets and all this stuff? Modern day prophets. It was something new to me. And I was like, if, if this is all fake, then this person's in a cult and I'm going to have to break up with them. Um, and so I was actually, I was at this, uh, it was like a, kind of like a revival meeting. There was like a prophet and I was like, you know, actually I had a lot of fear walking mm-hmm. into this because I felt like this prophet was going to point at me and say, you masturbate. That was my fear. <laughs> um, I was definitely afraid of that. And, um, turns out he didn't say that, which was good. Um, and 
they, it just, it, the service got weirder and weirder. And I walked out and I was frustrated. And I'm kind of walking up and down the road saying, God, like, why is this happening to all these people and it's not happening to me? I came back into that service and I was at the very back and the guy announced that his wife was gifted with, you know, baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. I didn't really understand what that meant. And I was the first person up and I spoke in tongues and that was a, that was a really cool experience. Um, I guess for me, it felt like it was actually similar to probably a couple months before that. Um, somebody made me cry for the first time since I was a kid. And just that flood of tears, you know, that feeling of just that flood of tears. And that's what speaking in tongues felt like for me in that moment. And so it was this really cool, I guess this is kind of where I became a mystic. Um, because this was an experience where it just, there was stuff flooding out of me and there was <laughs> these words, not really words, <laughs> these, uh, um, syllables coming out of me that it just, it was kind of like crying. It was, it was actually whatever's in my heart coming out. Um, mm -hmm. so around this point too, I was, I was like very, uh, very conservative, um, you know, I was getting to the age where I could vote. And so I would um, vote conservative all the time because that's God's party. He's going to stop abortion and gay marriage, right? And so I would vote faithfully, you know, for that party. And it took me quite a while to break through that. I think probably, you know, when I was 23 or 24, I started to realize that, you know, like there are godly people on the other side of the aisle and uh you know it was conversations with people that were more progressive you know reading relevant magazine which was very liberal from you know where i was at hmm. it's kind of funny on the other side of it now because i'm in yeah yeah absolutely like, relevance yeah. too too conservative right um but it's like just understanding social justice and I think it was, I guess if we, another portion of this too is, you know, like as I grew up, people would joke, this guy's going to be a pastor. This guy's going to be a pastor. And, um, you know, around my time, kind of my heightened charis char charismatic kind of era of my life, you know, I was, I was prayed over and someone said, He's going to be a youth pastor. And when he lays hands on people, amazing things are going to happen, which was really cool. But it gave me such an intense sense of purpose. And that sense of purpose was crushing. Um, mm. And I didn't realize it until many years down the road. Um, I started teaching. Um, I finished my ed degree and I ended up teaching, you know, up in a northern community, small little community. And that church um, was very small. And so I basically, I was co-chair. We didn't have a pastor for a bit. So I kind of had that burden kind of shoulder. I was shouldering that. And I was leading worship every Sunday. Right. And um, so in... I did that for, you know, a couple of years, three, four years. Um, and then I moved to the city 
And instead of being this important person as part of the church, I had nothing. Like I wasn't serving in the in the um, church um, for like a year or so. I tried to get on the worship team, and I finally got on the worship team, but they wouldn't give me a mic, and I was frustrated. And all these years of kind of like having all these things spoken over me about me being a pastor, and I had left teaching. I was now an industrial hygienist, which is a whole other topic. Um, Wow. (laughs) Basically testing the workplace for health hazards and interacting with different people. Actually, how I got there, um, I actually had, um, when we wanted to move to the city, it was for family reasons. Uh, We had a family member who had cancer and was in remission, and we wanted to be close to that family member. Um, And so um, I interviewed for a couple of jobs, and one of those jobs was um, as the industrial hygienist, which was a whole new field, and I really didn't know much about it. And uh, the other was working as finance at a church. And um, to layer on top of kind of this purpose thing, I actually had a pastor up in that northern community I was at that said, when when John leaves teaching, it's going to be to be a worship pastor. So it's like, oh my gosh, all this calling, right? And uh, so... Yeah. When I applied for work there, there was church finance and there was industrial hygienist. The church finance was like really interesting interview. I didn't really know what to sell them on. I wanted to be like, hey, I'm a charismatic like you guys are. Um, I'm a math major, which is like, I'm not really an accountant, but I'm a math major. Um, and it was it was the most awkward thing. And they said to me, well, before you decide whether you're interested in this position, you need to come to one of our Sunday services because our church is a little different than you'd be used to. Like, for example, if someone was gay, we would welcome them to our church and journey with them, which was, you know, this was 2008. So what they were doing was very groundbreaking at that time. And I, I didn't really know what to think of that. I wasn't really... I think I'd become less homophobic at that point. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, that's cool. They're helping people journey with that. Um, And then, you know, when I interviewed for the industrial hygiene job, I rocked it. Like, it went absolutely perfect. They wanted to hire me. And so having a conversation, you know, back with my wife after that happened, um, I said to her, I think I'm going to take the industrial hygiene job. And she looked at me like, you're, you're giving up your dream to work in a church. And I said, I'm not giving up my dream to be, you know, be a pastor. I'm going to be the pastor of the invisible church. And I didn't even know what I was saying. Like it was just this weird thing that came out of my mouth. And um, I didn't really understand what it could mean. So, so then, you know, over the years, you know, like it's, I, I now was living in the city. I was trying to get on the worship team. I knew I wouldn't be, you know, kind of that uncontested worship leader I was up north. And uh, so I worked in the church there. And I think in the, during this time, I think I was shifting a lot more liberal in my views, you know, politically. Um, and uh, I just, my, my sense of purpose, you know, started to shift toward music. And I was like, I, I think 
I think I'm supposed to write worship music. And so I tried writing these worship songs and I brought them to, you know, my worship pastor and my worship pastor didn't really say anything about it, like just kind of ignored it. And I was so, so like disappointed. Like it was, it was heartbreaking. And, um, I remember like toward the end of me being at that church, um, they actually had an opening for a worship pastor. So I decided to hash things out with the worship pastor there because again, there was that sense of purpose. It's like, I'm supposed to be a worship leader. I love picking, picking the songs. It's my thing. And, um, he, he told me, yeah, you can't be a, you can't be a worship leader. I'm like, why is that? And he's like, your guitar playing isn't good enough. And it was, it was just the most devastating, you know, um, conversation I had, you know, when it came to my purpose, um, because not only that, but like when I told him about, I write songs and all this stuff, he's like, you should just be content to sit in your room and sing those songs to God by yourself. And, but it was like, I walked out of that conversation and it was almost like, I don't know, the story of, is it the cupbearer in, uh, in the old Testament, um, Joseph and the cupbearer and where the cupbearer just like totally forgets him. And it's just like the weirdest thing, but it was kind of part of God's plan. I kind of had this sense that it was part of God's plan that this would just be the worst conversation ever. And so I kind of had this sense of like, no, it was supposed to be this way. There's nothing I could have done to make it go better because the guy basically called me arrogant. And I was like, I have never been called arrogant in my life. And so it was, it was, um, it was really bizarre. And, um, I can understand, I can appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) So I actually, okay. So around that same time, I went to a men's conference. I've only gone to, I think three men's conferences in my life. And two of them have been like, really like rocked my life. Um, and in this one, this guy was talking about, um, our kind of, when you talk about like behavior modification, the guy explained that the problem with behavior modification is that it's like, we're just continuously plugging holes, you know, in a, you know, when there's a leak. Um, but we're not really thinking about what is actually leaking out. Like what is the source of this leak? And he said, you know, just take the time to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what is it? What is the core? What is leaking out in your bad behavior? My my struggle was, you know, like lust, anger, you know, all this stuff, right? And I was trying to cope somehow with, I didn't know, I, I don't think I knew how mentally ill I was at that point either. Um and so I, I asked, I'm like, what, what, is, what is this core thing that's causing all of my bad behavior? And the word that came back to me was um, significance. And I was like, huh. And I've told this story so many times and people always assume that I'm talking about significance in the eyes of people. And it was like, no, no, no. I wanted significance in the eyes of God. I wanted to be able to be like, look, look, I've saved all these people right? As a kid, or look, I wrote this song for you and the whole congregation is singing it and all this stuff. And, um, I sensed that I had to give that up. Hmm. And 
between that and reading this book by, um, I think it's David Brooks, um, The Road to Character, which really talked about humility and how humility is such an important thing, I, I started to realize that all I need to do is take whatever's in front of me, whatever I've been given to do, and just do my best with it. Don't worry about, you know, the broad um, implications of whatever I'm doing and stop thinking about how big of a deal I'm going to be and what my legacy is going to be when I die and everything. And I, I let go of all of that. And I, I think around that time, it was like, I, I could sense it's like, you're going to build your own platform. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like? And didn't really have an answer for that. And I started podcasting, not really thinking that it's connected at all. Um, I still was like playing bass on the worship team and all that. Um, eventually, we left that church. And over the past year, I've dropped being on the worship team altogether. And um, over the last couple of years, my 16-year-old son has become a very gifted musician. And he gave me tracks um, that he wanted me to work on. Um, I had this idea for a song called Monkey with a Gun. And the point of Monkey with a Gun was to talk about how all of us with our little platforms, you know, whether it be on social media, whether it be, you know, podcasting, whether it be on YouTube, we're all, we've all got platforms we didn't earn. We've all got influence we didn't earn. And we're essentially like a monkey with a gun. Like it's terrifying to think about how much influence we have on each other. And yeah, so I had this idea for that. And then my son's like, hey, check out this track I, re- I made. And I listened to it. I'm like, that's monkey with a gun. And we built the whole album Uncaged on that. Um, wow. And so really like the... And then I, I guess when we did that, like I used to do kids music and I wrote some kids music and I used to do that for the church and everything. And so I was like, okay, well, this could be some new Johnny Howe music. And he looks at me, he's like, no, it can't be that. He's like, you got it. You need a new name. Johnny Howe music is kids music. And I'm like, okay, he's my producer. He's my wife's 16 year old producer. And <laughs> I, uh, I had this idea for quite a while of, bridges i felt like more than anything my calling is to build bridges between people and build bridges between people and the divine and so the name that came to me was bridge live what which is bridge to living water and i've been thinking more and more about what the living water is because there's obviously the biblical kind of reference that it is But I think living water is also just something fresh. And so this this idea of being uncaged, it's like when we talk about like, you know, so often in Christianity, people talk about don't put God in a box. And I'm like, that that, um, analogy doesn't really work for me. I think putting God in a cage makes a lot more sense because it's, it's confining. And like within religion, we'll look at it and you'll have someone like Buddha say, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And you're like, oh, wait, no, that's not in the Bible. I can't, I can't use that. And it's like, but if you get uncaged, you can use that. 
you know, as as Rob Bell says, everything is yours, right? Which actually yeah, everything's virtual. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so that that really rocked my world. Um, I mean, speaking of Rob Bell, his take on Sabbath has really rocked my world too. Oh, same man, same. Yeah, I just actually just read. I just finished reading um, Abraham Joshua Heschel's book, The Sabbath, for the second or third time. Wow. So good. It's so good. I so highly what recommend did, what it. Did that do for you? Sorry? What did that do for you? Like, how it, does your, how do you take Sabbath? It blew my mind, really. It, it was, well, the elements of it that are kind of, the elements of that book that are kind of, very kind of Jewish, um, but the the broader picture of it, of the idea of Sabbath, of time and space, and Sabbath Sabbath being about time and almost existing just in time rather than in space, hmm. and being sacred and everything revolving around this and building up to this and coming from this hmm. was. Um, yeah, mind blowing, really. In terms of the journey, my journey that I've been on already, and all that I've learned, and all that I've, all all that I've unlearned, and uh, it's, and then when you put it alongside, like, because I'm now reading a book uh, called um, uh, "Reality Is Not What It Seems," which is a mm. book by an astrophysicist, uh, physicist, mm. uh, and in it, it talks about time, right, from a scientific point of view. Uh, and uh, and again, and how it bends, and how it's it's not linear. It's not like hierarchical or linear. It's like it's circular. It's it's bendy. It's like time goes slower the higher up off the ground you go. That's so cool. Like if you put a clock, if you put a clock and a, on your bedside table, and put uh, another clock with the same time on the floor, one will one will move slower than the other one. Mm. Right, it it, it 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 it's like, and when you put that alongside the spiritual, the kind of the spiritual, I guess, concept of Sabbath and taking time out of space to connect with the divine and to to rest, to rest your body and your your mind and your soul and just ex- just be, uh, it's just like whoa, this is all connected, you know. Um, yeah, and especially when, as I get to know my body, and as I might do, I've been doing embodiment work and mm. and learn to talk to my body as a person, and mm. doing internal family systems therapy, and people who listen to the show regularly will know about this already. Um, but uh, as I've done all of that, and you combine it with this, and you combine it with the, you combine it with the Sabbath, you combine it with you know the science and everything, it's like whoa, this is all connected. Like, um, wow. and you know, and learning about cosmic about um entanglement as well atomic entanglement. i can't remember the first line of that 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 time but when basically when an atom bonds with something and gets into like entangled with it like so um cosmic i think it's cosmic cosmic entanglement i think that's what it's called um that's what it should be called anyway um and so that part of you can body bond with the atoms that make up your body, you know, and how like maybe that can, and me, there's me, like my imagination's going into like, oh, is this, is this what eternal life is, means? Wow. Like, 
consciousness connects with the atoms in our body, you know, um, and just like, yeah, and how, like, oh, wow, so it's all connected, you know, like science and spirituality and everything is just, totally. you know, it's like, it's just, yeah. the, it's just like all this kind of religious language, just another way of describing what really happens. Yeah. And like, and actually reading that science book, they talked about Einstein coming up with the idea um coming up with his some of his ideas were born in his imagination mm. he didn't have facts in front of him to start with it was intuition and imagination which got him there so his body you could say intuitively knew that stuff to be true before he could prove it that's, like, that's crazy whoa <laughs> like you know, so it's just like um it just kind of yeah it's just wow when you talk about yeah, it that's all very uncaged. Like that's what I'm talking about. And it's like, you know, so artistically I think is the easiest way to understand this concept because yeah. it's like people live in their artistic cages. They're like, I only listen to Taylor Swift. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it's like, I only listen to Taylor Swift. Anything else is not music. And it's like, well, <laughs> if you like explore a little more, there actually is some music you're missing out on. Right. Um, yeah. And so if you're actually able to break out of your cage, but I mean, it's the same thing for a creator. Um, and I think like with the Bridge Live Watt first album, um, Uncaged, which is out right now, um, it's like I've got a 16-year-old that created all the music. And then we got a 42-year-old that's writing lyrics about his experience and performing it. And so it's kind of a, you know, it's modern, but it also, you know, I'm old. <laughs> right? And so it's it's kind of an interesting mashup, but it's like, I, I think, you know, listening to a whole bunch of different styles of music and then creating is how you create something new. And I think, you know, when we talk about that spiritually, it's the same thing. It's like where you're actually, you know, reading up on astrophysics and, you know, I guess molecular, whatever that is. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, really I I was never into science at school at all. Yeah, like all maths or anything like that. I was just completely boring. Yeah, um, um, I was a I was English writing, you know all that. Now, like I was reading that book last night, and I was like, I couldn't put this down. Like, I want to keep reading. Like wow. this is really, like blowing my mind, you know. And it's written like a it's almost written as a almost as a story rather than a textbook, you know. So it's really and that's, and that's source material. So that you can create new ideas, right? Like it's like just like the artist listens to a ton of different music. And then when they make new music, they're like, I don't even know where this is coming from. Like, obviously, it came from all the stuff you listen to. But when you go to create, and it would be the same thing when you write, when you're writing your book, it's like, well, I don't know where this is coming from, because there's just so many books that I've read so many ideas that I've you know, and I find the same thing when I'm podcasting too. It's like, I'll be doing a podcast episode with someone and then something will just come to me. And I'm like, I'm not even sure where this came from, but it's kind of like, I think, you know, when you talk about like um, belief in some kind of a spiritual entity, I think it's within when we're creative, it's like, that's gotta be spiritual because I can't explain it. Like there's just this flow that I'm tapping into and it's like, I'm... I'm making something that's already there. It's like, there's been so many times where I've been doing that musically and I've been doing that, 
you know, in podcast conversations, I'm like, I'm, I'm finding something that's already there, but I'm like, how can it even be there if there isn't a spiritual entity? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And my, yeah, this all resonates so much with me. I, my whole concept of the divine has changed now. I, hmm. I don't think I've really articulated it as yet. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's difficult to, to articulate because it's beyond, it transcends kind of religious boundaries and it, it transcends kind of labels. Uh, it's, um, yeah. Well, and I think it's yeah. the political that's really polluted this, right? Because yeah, absolutely. at some point yes. I had to kind of decide to ditch kind of that, that conservative mentality, right and wrong, you know, like let's fight for our team, let's fight for our religious liberty, our right to tell these people that they're sinful. And, um, you know, the 2016 election really brought a lot of things to light um, where you could actually see that dividing line between people. And, you know, over the past four years, I've really tried to understand everyone. <laughs> and it's funny how America, like, cause I'm Canadian, but it's funny how America has had so much influence on the discourse, you know, in other parts of the world, including Canada. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's ugly. Like, it's so ugly. And I've seen it, you know, in how, you know, these Christian kids in Christian schools interact with each other um, and within Christian culture and how Christians interact with each other and how, you know, and, I, and I've had these like numerous conversations now with people where it's come to a point where I'm like, look, like you're not showing that God is love. Because of your politics, you are not showing that God is love. And people want nothing to do with what you're trying to tell them. They want nothing to do with the gospel because of who you are. Who, like everything about you is repelling them right now. And they look at me point blank and say, well, it's because they're sinful and they don't want to hear the truth. And it's like, I, wow. And I, mm. I, I've seen, there's like, and I've spent a lot of time trying to understand, you know, fundamentalists and trying to understand this kind of, but I really believe there is kind of a, there's a spiritual blindness there. That's just so shocking to me because I'm seeing all these people leave the faith in, in hordes. Like there's a ton of people that are leaving the faith because of that, because of that poor representation. And for me, in watching all these things, watching, you know, I, you know, I had a friend who's like told me I'm deconstructing and I looked at her and I'm like, I've studied that a lot. You know, I got into like liturgist, you know, all this, all these different, you know, mediums where people were talking about deconstruction. And I'm like, I've studied that. And I think it was around that time that I started to realize I'm doing that too. Like I'm. I'm starting to like, I, I want to rethink all of this. And I got to a point now, I think over the past year where I realized, you know what? I'm uncaged. You know, I don't need to say where I stand politically, what I am artistically, what I am spiritually. It's like, I'm spiritually uncaged. And I love that. I love that. 
Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> and I feel like I'm now in a period of reconstruction. And right now my reconstruction is God is love. Can we go with that? And anybody I know whose faith is unraveling, I'm like, can you, can you at least just tell me you're going to pursue love? Because I really believe if God is love, if the divine is love, that's where we're going to get if we pursue love. We're going to get to the divine. Yes. Yes, that's right. And, and then, so, the, so, so this, the thing I'm wrestling with now is this understanding of Jesus. Because I, okay, so it's funny because this like term God is love, like there's the entire Bible it's like they talk about all these characteristics of God, but um, God is love is like, it's synonymous. It's the only time you hear something where it's like, God is this. This is synonymous with God. It's like love is all encompassing. And I remember I posted that on Facebook. I just said, God is love. And all these people are like, but he's also just, he's also, and I'm like, no, I don't need any of that. And that kind of launched me into album number two. And the first single, which I'm waiting on my my producer to finish, my producers, there's a couple of guys on it that are going to be trying to um, or master it, but it's called Philophobia. And it's based on this idea of fear of love. And um, so there is like within fundamentalism, there's this fear that love isn't enough. And... I, I, I want to speak to that. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now, and and so yeah, that's right. and it's it's all a journey, isn't it? We're all at different oh, stages totally. of the journey, and it's it's not even. I mean, it's not even stages of a journey. We're just all on our own journey. No, yeah, we're not all on the same journey. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. It's not even a state. It's not even a hierarchical kind of. Thing. it's just we're all on our own journey and that's going to take us to different places and we might go to we might go to the same places at different stages of the journey if that makes sense so it depends on who we are you know it's uh it's just uh but it, it should journey. be a journey to love and i think if your journey is away from love you've got a problem yeah absolutely yeah and so i mean like and so it's kind of funny that i can still kind of cling to that christian concept and be like well god is love and so I, I kind of wrestled with that for a bit. And then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, well, I think I've got that wrapped up now. And I know that love can be a lot of things. And it's everything that God can be. And it's like my children. I love them. It doesn't mean that I let them get away with things all the time. You know, like there's, there is justice in that, you know. And it's like love doesn't mean that we allow abuse to happen. Because we love the abuser and we don't want to say anything negative to them, Right. And so my second step, I was like, oh, okay, well, what about Jesus? Is there, is there a same thing kind of going on with Jesus? And I'm like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm still, I'm kind of, I'm stuck on way right now. And I think I understand it to a certain extent. Because um, I'm like, Jesus models the way to the Father, is what the Bible says, but what if we say Jesus models the way to love because the Father is love? So it's like, wow, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I could do that. And it's just, it's so much better than just saying Jesus is the magic word. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. And I actually, I actually say that in the song "Become." It's one of my favorite lines I've ever written. I'm like, "Can we serve the magic words to get God on our side?" And I'm like, "That's, I think, what my faith used to be." It's like, let's 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 say the magic words oh, and so we'll get true. God on our side. So true. It's like, oh, in Jesus' name, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just say yeah. that. that and I mean, like, magically, God will do it. Too. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you mean it, like, that's cool and everything. But when it's just words and it's like your your life does not align with it. And there's been so many times I got into conversations with people where they're like, no, no, faith is enough. Like, works don't matter. And it's just like, so, I mean, like, faith without works is dead. So you guys are trying to figure out what the bare minimum is to get into heaven. <laughs> like, what a way to live your life. Like, yeah. obviously, this is just fire insurance to you. But, like, for me, it's just like, man, there's so much to explore here. And it's like this way of love is, is something worth pursuing, whether there's an afterlife or not. And... Yeah, it's it's about love and connection and yeah and mystery and wonder and you know oh my um, gosh justice all of those things it's just mm-hmm. oh, it's difficult to stick to to, to 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 explain somebody with who's not experienced it and hasn't seen it yet because it is when you feel it it's just so wonderful like. Yeah, it's like getting it, out of a cage. <laughs> I it love is. it. It is getting out of a cage. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's being completely uncaged and not worrying about what other people think anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, well, and I think that's been the beauty of it too is like I because I basically decided I would just focus on what's in my hand right now. You know, it's like, well, I'm doing this podcast. This is all I need to do is be faithful with this bit as as a servant. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be faithful with yeah. this bit and just do the best I can with it. I've been able to, with a small audience, you know, I do whatever I want. You know, I post whatever I want on social media. I have been able to build a platform, you know, it's small, but on two podcasts, I'm able to just do whatever I want musically. I do whatever I want. I have no, you know, like overarching church or overarching record company that's telling me, no, 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 you need to do it this way because this is how we're going to, you know, have a bigger audience. And so I'm, you know, there's times where I'm like, I wish my audience was bigger. And then there's times where I'm like, man, I get no pushback on anything I do. I can live completely uncaged and there's nobody. It's very rare that I have anybody ever, you know, be negative towards me for what I'm doing. Yeah. That's a positive. That's definitely a positive. (laughs) It is. is. Some of these people with big platforms get abuse and trolls and yeah, it's um, not easy for some of them. Yeah. Oh, Um, I didn't expect, I didn't explain my Sabbath thing that I was going to say. Oh, yes, um, yes. Sorry, yeah, I interrupted you with that. Yeah. No, no, it's all good. I asked you. Um, okay, so basically the way I understood what uh, Rob Bell was saying is that, like, the children of Israel were introduced Sabbath when they were making bricks every day, seven days a week, 
And the value of an Israelite was in how many bricks they produce today. So that spoke mm-hmm. to me. And I was like, okay, so when he introduced, when Moses introduced Sabbath, there was one day a week where they would not be a human doing and be a human being. So I thought about it. I'm like, okay, well, what is my, what are my bricks? And my bricks are ideas and the dissemination of ideas. Like I, I love putting stuff out there and it's, it's an obsession. Like it's, I think, you know, to maintain, I really believe that to maintain mental health, you need to strike the optimal balance between being and doing. And so throughout the week, I'm continuously producing, you know, all kinds of content, right? Whether it be on social media, I now start doing like little rants on TikTok about something too. Um, But it's like, there's always more, there's always more that I can put out. But come Sunday, I don't do any of that. And so Bridge Live Watt is my persona, you know, online six days a week. John Howie is who I am on Sunday. And John Howie is who my family needs. My family doesn't need Bridge Live Watt. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm not going to say the world needs Bridge Live Watt, but it's kind of fun to be Bridge Live Watt and get stuff out there. And there are people out there that appreciate it. And, but I don't see that so much as core to my identity as I used to. And so separating the two has been the most healthy thing for me because it's like, I can't, um, I guess it, it reminds me of, um, Ron Howard. He was a child actor and Mm -hmm. It was like, how did you, how did you keep your sanity? You were like this huge child actor. And he's like, yeah, you know what? My dad said to me that, um, he said, Hey, you see that paper boy out there? He's delivering the newspaper to people's doorsteps. And he's like, your job is to stand in front of a camera and deliver lines. You're just like the paper boy. And so it's kind of being able to have that mentality rather than, like it's it's back to that whole what is in your hand be faithful with it and don't worry about like what you're becoming right and Mm. so as as i grow as my audience grows i want to keep that mentality it's like i i don't want to be distracted by my reflection and being like oh people like this i'm gonna give them more of this and it's like no the uncaged way is to just be like okay where it's like pulling on a thread and it's like where does this lead now where are we going and it's just this continuous exploration and it's a great journey and I'm enjoying it. That's fantastic. It really is. It really is. I love that perspective. Love it. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sure that it's going to be encouraging to a lot of people who are on a journey of you know, getting uncaged and deconstruction and transformation and healing and all of that, because uh, that's why it's important to share stories. It's one of the reasons I do this podcast, really. Mm. When we hear, when we share stories that we, we offer solidarity and encouragement to people. And, uh, and that's what you've done today. Definitely. It's encouraged me. So. um, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. It has. Um, yeah, definitely. I feel uh, much better for this conversation. I love it when that happens. <laughs> so, Good. Good. Um, 
So where can people kind of find your work and connect with your work? And you? I am, so if you actually, if you find me on Twitter, Bridge Live Watt, it's L-I-V-W-A-T. Um, that's probably the best place to see what I'm up to. Um, I have a Wix website, but it's not, it's not great. <laughs> so <laughs> but, uh, basically my, um, my Twitter has a link in it. It links to actually my two podcasts, ADD Masterminds and the Wax Museum. I'm doing the Wax Museum weekly. Every second week I do ADD Masterminds. And then there'll be another link that's um, a link to all of my music, uh, which is on a whole bunch of different mediums worldwide, which is crazy. Um, Fantastic. That's yeah. Great. And we'll, hopefully we'll have new music coming out this year because I think we're taking like, this is going to be next level stuff. I'm really excited about it. Um, I've started what I call an artist collaborative. And so the idea is that we launch projects for free. It's called Air Smudge. It's also linked in my Twitter. Um, and so we're, we're going to release two albums under Air Smudge Records. Um, that'll be my album called green which is my theme for 2021 is this whole idea of growth um and then we have my son's band Tirefall, that's going to release their debut album and so that's really exciting they there's a lot of buzz around these guys um they're blowing me out of the water right now for listens and i'm very proud of them fantastic that's so cool that really is uh yeah i can't wait to listen to more of your stuff be really really great especially now we've had this conversation it's going to mean something entirely different i always love knowing the stories behind music before i listen to it because it, it just uh, gives it a whole new meaning um so yeah do check that out everybody um i really encourage you to do that and uh thanks for listening everyone and thanks for coming on john thank you for having me take care everyone